Hi there, and thanks for tuning in to episode 62 of the Eyes Free Sports Podcast. This is your host, Greg Lindbergh. Here on this episode, we feature part one of a conversation we had with a gentleman who is a very accomplished endurance athlete, triathlete, and uh, who also has done skiing as well as uh, the biathlon for the blind. And so in this part of the conversation, uh, the gentleman spoke about just his journey into visual impairment, as well as getting into adaptive sports and some really interesting insight into the whole uh, guide and blind runner relationship. So here we go with part one of our conversation here on episode 62. Okay, so my guest here on this episode of the podcast is Michael Stone, and uh, Michael is a highly accomplished endurance athlete, uh, ultra-athlete, a lot of titles, adjectives, just so many awesome words to describe this guy, and it's an honor to introduce Michael here to Eyes Free Sports. Michael, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you, Craig. It's, a, it's an honor to be here. Absolutely. I know there's so much we can get into, and so we'll try to kind of just go through the highlights and might have to have you on again at some point uh, after this. <laughs> Be a privilege. So yeah, let's just uh, go ahead and get into kind of your, your background here to start us off. So I believe you're originally from Illinois, correct? Yes. Yeah. Outside of Chicago. Gotcha. And did you spend pretty much your whole childhood there? Yeah, I did. I did uh, one year, which I, uh, away at a boarding school at 16 years old outside of Boston, which actually was has a lot to do with my 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 sight loss story. But um, uh, but yeah, outside of that, and then until 18, and then uh, went off to school, and then came back for a few years, and then moved to Colorado, and I've been in Colorado for 25 years. Oh wow, it's definitely a long time out out west. Yeah. And then, so as far as your visual impairment, so were you actually born uh, with your eye condition? I, I was just, I didn't know it. I, I've been, according to my mom, I've been struggling with my sight since I was three. I can remember at five starting to have problems. And then, you know, they all, just like most people with vision loss, there's always these milestones, uh, eight years old. And much like uh, Dan Berlin, who we interviewed recently, um, you know, playing, playing, uh, ball and you know running the wrong way you know and getting hit in the <laughs> face with a pitch and actually that 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 was a very uh important moment the first time I got hit in the face with a baseball uh, I think the coach mm. was just so confused because I mean I, I just didn't move and uh and where I was at bat and um and that was eight years old and just like I think a lot of people with with a lot of these retinals there's always these little mind zones like some people with star guards they they kind of eight nine years old get it, you know, or, or, or then late teens, um, you know, there's always some, there's, there's something that, that happens while my left eye was always, uh, you know, beyond legally blind, my, my right eye, there was, they would always find little ways of being, getting me able to see better out of it, but it, it was with great challenges. And of course they never did a field test to know, to right. see that I actually was missing a, a great amount of my visual field. Uh, and anybody listening to this knows, you know, knows what that means. I think uh, the sighted world really doesn't understand that, that, uh, that blindness, you know, it's either you have sight or you don't have sight that there, there's no in between and that, that you could actually be, have a good portion of your visual field missing. 
And in my case, that was my central vision, which obviously led to lots of misdiagnoses. And it wasn't until much later that they, they found out it was retinitis pigmentosa. Uh, my grandfather had lost his sight and they, they told him it was macular degeneration, uh, which ended up not being true. Uh, so then, of course, that was one of the reasons that they were they were always looking for problems with me. And much like Dan Berlin, I was, you know, misdiagnosed with Stargardt originally. And they called it Conrad dystrophy, you know, right around the same time. And then uh, when the peripheral, actually prior to the peripheral uh, being affected, a, a couple really wonderful doctors, uh, uh, Vineet Mahajan, uh, who's a, a P- MD, PhD, now it runs the program at Stanford. Uh, but he was at Iowa, along with Al- Dr. Alex Basuk, who was a childhood friend of mine who just, uh, he heard that I was struggling with my sight. And he, and he said, you know what, we're, we want to we wanna look a little deeper. And they, they re-diagnosed both me, or my brother and me, with uh, retinitis pigmentosa and uh, X-linked retinitis pig- pigmentosa, to be specific. And uh, we got, you know, they claim that they got lucky, but they worked really hard and it's, it's led to a lot of great things. And they've, they've published the research, I think at least three times. Um, and it's now uh, they're generating therapies from it. Uh, my brother actually, who's six years younger than me is going to participate in a, in a clinical trial, a therapeutic clinical trial. Uh, I think in September, my eyes are a little too damaged for such a thing, but uh, you know, if he could, they could preserve his, that would be fantastic. Wow. Very yeah. interesting. And I'm curious. So then do you, do you guys have quite different vision, even though you have the same condition or does he, it sounds like he has more usable vision. Yeah, he does. And, uh, but it's, it's very, uh, tenuous. You know, if you were to look at a photo of his, his retinas, it actually would look like it was more sick than mine. But I think because mm-hmm. the con- concentrations of where he has cones and rods are in a place where it's just working for him until they're gone. And, and that's the way it happened, you know, with me, like my left eye is almost completely gone outside of a little dot of light here and there. And my right eye is, is caught, caught up to it. Um, but it happens very fast. And it must be very difficult for him to have to, to, to watch that. And, you know, to his credit, he's been participating in every kind of study. Um, you know, my, my niece is a carrier of it as well. And, you know, they're trying to do everything that they can. Um, but, uh, but practically, you know, there's a lot of people that do desperate things, uh, you know, in an effort to either preserve their sight or, or, or in such, but that's not, what they've been doing, they, you know, they're listening to their doctors and they're doing things the right way. But he's aware of how fortunate he is, uh, and and such, and he's he's doing well. But he's also aware of his struggles. But, but we're staying pretty close to to the potential therapies, and you know, with X-linked retinitis pigmentosa, I think there's three or four clinical trials going on. Of course, all gene therapy, um, which uh, you know, I'm, I, I think is great if your intentions are to leave the world a better place than you found it, which is you know, good news, bad news. If, if the next eight year old or 15 or 20 year old gets diagnosed, they say, okay, you know, bad news is you have this condition. Good news is we can stop it. Right. You know, I think, I think there's a lot of people that would, that would take that, you know, uh, you know, versus a lot of people like myself or like, you know, we would prefer some type of a reversal. However, I don't know. I found, I, I, I personally, I don't know about you, Greg, but I, I have found a, a great deal of peace, um, 
with sight loss. Um, I, I, I like the fact that you and I are having this conversation. It's, you know, your condition, my condition that brought us together and a great many people, same thing with guys like Dan Berlin, who's kind of a, he's an inspiration to me as well. And, uh, while, uh, we're, we're of a similar age, uh, you know, I, I get to there and, and we could each name hundreds and hundreds of people that are, that are in this world. And I, I, I kind of like being part of this and having the opportunity to serve humanity. Um, I, I wrote this book called I Envy, came out around 2010, 2011. And um, I was on the book tour and I think it was in at a Borders in Kentucky. And this little boy had come up to me and he asked me, he says, do you, do you re- regret having, you know, and he had, he had retinitis pigmentosa. And I says, do you sure. regret having this condition? I said, I said, well, I said, and I thought about this for a second because I, I he was he's young enough that I, I felt like I needed to be politically correct. And I said, and, and the only answer that came to me was like, well, if I didn't have it, I wouldn't have met you. I wouldn't know what your, you know, uh, what your struggles are. I wouldn't know. Yeah. You know, and, and instead I, it's kind of, it's kind of cool that I can be a part of it. And, you know, I think it, like a great many people, we, we focus so much on the loss and not as much on the gift, you know, for the blessing versus the, the, the curse. Yeah. We've lost a lot of independence. It's uh, there's lots of challenges that come through with it. At the same time, I've been able to participate. Uh, I mean, in adaptive sports, para sports uh, with some of the most extraordinary athletes and, and artists and musicians and, yeah. And people that have gone off to do extraordinary things. And I, and, you know, I, I don't want to ever speak for another person, but I think sometimes it's because of our sight loss that we can go on to do a lot of this, these extraordinary things. Um, you know, my, my friend, Eric Weinmeyer lives out here in Colorado, you know, keeps, keeps on doing great things. And not only is he doing great things for himself, you know, such as climbing Everest and uh, kayaking the Grand Canyon, which, you know, that one, that one actually I found to be more uh, unbelievable than climbing Mount Everest. Um, mm-hmm. But he's, he's now, he's created all kinds of organizations. He's been helping people uh, across the board, finding, helping people find their full potential. And I, I don't, I don't know how much I'd pay attention to that if I had all, had everything, you know, I had all my, you know, full, full sight and everything worked as it's supposed to. <laughs> right. That's such a great point. And just with this podcast alone, I mean, I think if I were fully sighted, you know, I, I would never have had an interest in doing this and getting to connect with all the guests I've had the opportunity to speak with and interact with is really been incredible yeah and 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 we're grateful that you're doing it uh you know it makes the world a a little bit smaller and uh and and sometimes a lot most of the time a lot more exciting uh people have their the ability i mean i i i I don't do really anything on social media i just it's mostly just because it's it's a matter of principle um, sure. Because it's like, well, I'm losing my sight. If I could have the opportunity to go outside, I live in Colorado. It's a beautiful place, uh, you know, and go feel the sun and, and, uh, listen to the birds. Or do I want to be sitting in front of, you know, a computer listening to my, my screen reader yelling at all these posts at me, but I, I was on, uh, a, a kind of a support group that was worldwide called, uh, retinitis pigmentosa. And, 
at first, you know, my nature is, you know, you, you know, you got to participate, you got to join in. But then I kind of sat in the background and I just listened to what people were putting up there. And I was like, I could relate to that. Oh yeah. I could relate to that. Oh, I could relate to that. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, Oh, this person walked into one of those uh, flo- wet floor signs in the middle of a bathroom and, <laughs> you know, and, you know, you know, it's, uh, yeah, that happens to me only on days and under the word day. And, and, you know, I mean, and, and I thought that was, it was kind of cool uh, just to be able to sit back and, and listen and, and just appreciate the fact that you're not the only person out there going through this. There are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people that can relate to exactly what you're going through. And, you know, you're not only you're not alone, but a lot of these people have gone on to do extraordinary things such as yourself. And, uh, you know, I just, I think it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. Today was the Boston marathon and I had uh, friends that are really strong runners, you know, sub three hour marathoners comfortably that texted me just to tell me about all the guided runners that they saw out there. And they were thinking of me all day long while they were doing their marathon. And I, I thought that was pretty awesome. You know, and it's such a great oh, race. Yeah. Absolutely. And then I know the, the Red Sox always play after that. And it's, you know, just what a, what a great tradition that's yeah. been for so long. Have you done that race? Have not. No. Yeah. yeah. I'd encourage day, you. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and for your, and for your listeners out there, uh, if they ever wanted to, um, uh, there's a, the group out of mass, uh, I guess, mass, I don't know if it's Mass Eye and Ear that puts together, uh, and I, I can never remember the name right off the bat. I, it's, it's a great, uh, catchy name, but almost anybody can sign up through them and and do that, uh, do a race. I mean, I think that there's there may be some qualifications and such, but the blind qualifications are, are uh, you know, are a little bit better um, since we're, you know, running off, uh four-legged race as a two-legged race as a four-legged sure. race if people could follow that uh you know it's you know somehow you're trying to get four legs to work as two uh while you really are running before but um it's it's a great it's a great uh the team with a vision that's what they call they are their team with a vision and uh they, you know they usually get you know i don't know 40 50 runners out there doing it every year oh yeah great stuff yep. yeah then just uh, going back to as far as your education, your career, let's just talk about, uh, you know, kind of what you studied in college and your, your early interests as far as career goes. My, my interests were, were a little challenged. Um, academically, it's always, it was always a problem and I couldn't see the blackboard. Uh, so I kind of just kept my face, you know, right and doodled and, you know, really frustrated a lot of teachers. Um, I, I, it was very difficult. Uh, it wasn't until... I started to figure out if I just listened and I obviously I was because I mean, I, I kept progressing through school and eventually did get on to college. Um, my interests were actually always in music. Um, I, that's what I wanted to do. Uh, my father is an extraordinary man on many aspects of life, but uh, by education, he was a, an attorney and a CPA um, eventually got into real estate and I loved listening to him work i used to i used to used to i used to get very uh, jazzed just watching him do these things and um but it, i my interest was on the I, I something that was a little more tangible i wanted the the physical i wanted to know how they worked specifically with things like hotels 
So while I was, my interests were music and I really wanted to go to music school, the idea of being a professional musician was extremely unappealing. And also due to my eyesight was you can only fake it so far. Um, I used to pretend to sight read by uh, getting the music ahead of time and memorizing things measure by measure. It was extremely tedious. And then I would pretend to sight read and, um, I, and you, know, you can only fake things so long before people pick up on it. Um, yep. um, so I, uh, you know, you, we, 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 we learn how to work the system the best we can, but eventually I went to school um, and got a degree in finance and real estate, and then eventually specialized in hospitality. Uh, and that was uh, eventually I, I, I got, I received my degrees from um, uh, university of Miami in, uh, in the South Florida, everybody confuses that with the Miami University of Ohio. Ohio. Uh, the, that university would not have taken me, um, but uh, <laughs> but University of Miami did, and and they had lots of great programs, and they had a great music program, they had a great business program, um, and uh, and they and I also uh, not growing up as an athlete, um, my the little closest things I had to athletics was in martial arts and, uh, in just, uh, I liked scuba diving. Um, and, uh, I just, I thought that was pretty amazing. I liked being under the water. And the funny thing is about it was it wasn't so much the visual experience that I loved. I, I liked the way, uh, the peacefulness of it. I liked the sound, um, mm. should have been another great clue, uh, that, uh, something was going on, but that, that was it. And then, Eventually, you know, I've worked my way uh, through on and, you know, bits of higher education much later in life. You know, now, now that I know what I'm dealing with, you know, you can, you can advocate for yourself and you can learn how to use screen readers and, and, uh, and all the the technology. And I I would consider myself to be maybe an advanced beginner with a lot of these things. Um, I don't know, some of my blind friends just... I, I just can't believe how how functional they are with technology and what they can uh, that they participate so well in an academic environment, whereas I still find it very intimidating. Sure, sure, yeah. very interesting perspective. Yeah. And then, so let's transition to adaptive sports. Uh, so I know you mentioned growing up, you know, as a youngster, kind of trying to play mainstream sports and maybe struggling at times with that. So what, uh, what kind of led you to discover and really maybe get into, you know, the adaptive sports realm in terms of, say, running with a guide and then more of the adaptive type uh, approach? Sure. And like everything, it's a, it's a progression. And, I, you know, I, I'm always amazed on how where life just sort of takes you. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, it really was incredible. I had this uh, uh, girlfriend at Miami who, you know, loved being active. She'd run, you know, a couple of miles. I used to think that was amazing here and there. And I, you know, I, I didn't know really anything about taking care of myself or anything like that. So, you know, I, I, I started doing a bit of martial arts. Um, and then when I moved back to Chicago, uh, a good buddy of mine who just coincidentally, his brother, uh, his older brother has retinitis pigmentosa as well. So he's got RP and, uh, that just complete coincidence, but he got me into rock climbing this guy. And, uh, and then I kind of took to that. Um, and that was, I, I started to progress at it, but the people that I was meeting in the rock climbing world, they also had other physical interests. You know, they might be riding a bicycle or they might be running. Um, they, they took care of themselves. And I, I started, it was 
a little bit contagious. But uh, the climbing, it, it was kind of ironic because here I am in Chicago, which is, you know, for all intents and purposes, a concrete jungle. There's, you know, right. indoor gyms. We would do weekend warrior trips uh, to, to some beautiful places. And I, I, I just fell in love with it. I, I just I, I couldn't wait for the weekends. Uh, for me to go on out and, and climb. But that also led me to, you know, maybe riding a bicycle. But climbing is what actually brought me out to Colorado. Um, now, I struggled with with climbing visually. Um, uh, I, friends would, I, I mean, they would just sort of call out the, the holds. And this is pre-diagnosis. Um, it was, uh, you know, sometimes they would just kind of remember them saying, Oh my God, he's so blind. Oh my, you know, get some glasses. I'd be wearing glasses. I'd be doing all this, but it's, it's amazing. I just kept on doing it. And uh, I think that in hindsight, it was, it was because it was so tactile. You can feel the handholds with you. You could feel the footholds. And, you know, as long as you didn't get too technical um, I mean, when people hear the things I was climbing, they would say that's pretty darn technical, uh, but I did it. And, and, uh, but it brought me to Colorado. And eventually I moved out to Colorado just because uh, I, I just, I, I, I hated the idea of being in Chicago. I couldn't relate to the professionals because here I was, and now I'm, I'm in the hotel, I'm a hotel executive, um, you know, developing, operating hotels and resorts and uh, working in, you know, mostly behind the scenes, not in the trenches, uh, you know, uh, as like a general manager would. Um, it's a completely different world. It's very specialized. Um, but I was, I, I worked closely with them, but everybody, they were playing golf. Golf was not, isn't the most appealing thing to somebody who can't see a ball. Uh, I mean, I like going out there. I like the swinging. I like being in nature. I, I enjoy all that. I like the camaraderie of it, but I mean, I could tell you one time I was playing with my, uh, dad and brothers and, and I, it was a par three. I hit the ball and started walking back towards the cart and they're jumping up and down. And, oh my God, I, it was, it was right. It was going in as a hole in one and I'm walking the other wow. way, you know, because I have no appreciation for, for what's happening. I did get the, I did not get it, but it was close. It was inches away from it. It mm. was going right at the pin. And, you know, obviously, you know, that's, you know, you're lucky if people have it once, but, it, but it didn't interest me. So um, I moved out to Colorado as in climbing, climbing started becoming progressive and more challenging and uh, uh, the, one of the people I met out here said, you know, you got to get a bike. So I got myself a road bike and I started riding and then, you know, eventually running. And then somebody says, you know, why don't you do a triathlon? So I, you know, I jumped in the, in the pool one day and, and next thing I know I was a triathlete and, uh, and, and, it, and I, triathlon is a very romantic sport because you could be a novice swimmer, biker and runner and be a good triathlete just by persevering. And let's face it, people are blind, visually impaired. That's what, that's what we're good at. We persevere, we, we endure and, sure. and, and, and that's what it is. We, we finish what we start. Uh, and, uh, and that's all we know. Um, and we, we figure it out. If we hit a, hit an obstacle, we, we go around it. If we fall down, we get up. And I think it, we, it makes us inherently great athletes. Um, and I wouldn't, doesn't matter how fast you're going. I think that, that people put way too much, uh, emphasis on speed. It really has little to do with it. It's about going out and enjoying it and being very present, but that's really what happened. And then, uh, 
you know, and next thing, you know, we, you know, because uh, human beings were, were not wired properly, we're not happy with just doing a short course triathlon. We got to go longer and longer. So I quickly went from shorter distance triathlons to the Ironman distance and, and just fell in love with that. As a matter of fact, my first marathon was at the end of an Ironman. Um, uh, actually the first time I did any of those distances, it's a, you know, 2.4 miles swim, 112 mile bike and a, a 26.2, um, you know, run. And uh, I'd never done any of those things. And somehow I managed to do them consecutively down in New Zealand as my first Ironman. And it was the first of 17 and I've done wow. circa 230 plus races now, um, uh, of varying kinds. But um, it really wasn't until after the same year of my first Ironman, um, I, I missed a turn in the race on the bike. And it was in New Zealand. And that guy with his great Kiwi accent is like, why are you blind? And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I was very scared because I really did not see that turn. And, um, and I've had a lot of these moments throughout life. But uh, to, to my uh, ophthalmologist credit, back in Chicago, I was living in Colorado at the time. He says, you know what, I've taken this as far as I can. Why don't you go see one of my professors? And they put me through a battery of tests and uh, uh, brought me, uh, he's like, listen, I, I don't see anything. He thought, he thought it was something with my optic nerves. Nothing's wrong neurologically, uh, but there's a, I saw this spot and I didn't know what that meant. He goes, there's a guy down the hallway that I'd love to have him look at you. And I walked in, this guy was sitting behind his desk. He's retired now and uh, he's getting his little bow tie. And uh, the other two doctors uh, were in the room. They're talking about me like I'm not in the room, you know, and, and they're mm -hmm. using these words, these words these, that have omas in it, scotoma. I'm like, and I hear oma. I'm like, oh my God, I've got cancer. I just did my first Ironman six months ago. I'm like, I'm on top of the world. I'm discovering myself, my inner athlete and couldn't be more excited. And next thing I, 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 I here I am, I'm, that this is it, you know? And, and the doctor said, don't you just love it when people are talking about you, like you're not in the room. I said, no, not particularly. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, he says, well, I know what you have, but I got to ask you a question. How have you gotten through life like this? And I, I, met, I remember my heart just sank because I've always knew it in one second. This guy confirmed every fear I always had and something that I always knew. I used to call it the missing piece. There's just something that's just not right here. Like, why, why is this so easy for everybody? You know, I, I can't be that uncoordinated. I, I mean, this doesn't make any sense. You know, but my parents were diligent. They took me to eye doctors. In fact, when I was eight, nine years old, they took me to a retinal specialist. This guy ended up being uh, one of the more senior guys at um, Hopkins. You know, I mean, you know, it, at, um, so it, I mean, there, it, it was just by sheer, you know, accident, if you will, that they didn't diagnose it, but, but they did. And, um, but interesting enough, it didn't deter me. And it wasn't for a couple of years later that I realized that this was degenerative. He told me, I know what you have. He asked me the question. He says, you've got a hard road ahead of you, but I thought it was just the reason I didn't see well not that it was going to get worse. And he, right. you know, he said, you know, he gave me a cone slash star guards uh, because of my central vision loss um, at, you know, this was just a cursory eye, you know, you know, 
with a retinal scope or they could look at the back of your eye. But um, somehow I, I, the, just doing that first Ironman just motivated me to do more. And this wasn't my first race, but it was like my fourth, you know, and, uh, and uh, I just wanted to get better and I got faster and and uh, my body started to develop. I found that I actually can put muscle on and, uh, and, and I, and I loved it. Um, and, and along the way I met other people with the same condition, uh, you know, guys like Richard Hunter, uh, you know, who's done great things, uh, for, uh, those of us with, with vision impairments. And, um, you know, I got to meet it, you know, all Dan Berlin, you know, on the huge list, I could talk all day long, uh, and sure. about these people. And, um, eventually as their site progressed, they started to do things with guides. So I was like, huh, maybe I need to consider this, but I really don't want to be on the back of a tandem. Mm -hmm. I just had a terrible attitude towards it. I worked very hard. I learned how to ride a mountain bike. Uh, I was doing Xterra races, which is off-road triathlon. So you're, you're mountain biking and, you know, obviously swims a swim, but uh, mountain biking and, and trail running. And I mean, I moved to Colorado not to, I wanted, I wanted to be out on the, on the field dirt and rocks and mud and, and all the things that come along with it and be closer to nature. Um, so I, I figured out ways to do this stuff guided. Um, but it was actually a buddy of mine who took me skate skiing, which is Nordic skiing. Uh, you know, well, I'm sure we'll get to that. Uh, but, um, and he guided me out there and I had given up skiing, uh, years before, cause that, that was another sport that I did, but I was, it, it became exhausting. Um, I was bumping into things. I was falling for, I, I didn't even know what it was that I was hitting and why. And, and it didn't make any sense. Cause you know, we grew up learning to ski. Uh, you know, my uncle introduced us to skiing when we were about nine years old, eventually my father and my parents took us out to a trip to Aspen and, but it was, it was pardon the expression, but, uh, you know, my, my family would always, you know, we'd come back, my mom would say, how's your day? And everybody's like, Oh, it was a great day. And I'd be, I'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, because I, I was struggling so much through it. So skiing is something I gave up. And, uh, when this guy got me in it and was guiding me through it, um, I, um, I, I'm like, well, maybe what else can I do guided? And so that's what led me to mountain biking and doing other things guided. Um, but try, but road triathlon, I continued to do solo as long as I could, um, mm. where <laughs> believe it or not, the biggest challenge isn't so much, uh, getting through the race, um, outside of obviously hitting obstacles. I mean, cause you can, and amongst other things, it's getting to the start line, uh, is, is quite, the, is quite the challenge. You have to, you have to find your way to the start line and you, and Interesting. You know, yeah, it's a, you know, like I said, those of us with especially retinal degeneration and other uh, verses, uh, we, we, we learn how to compensate. We do things well beyond our ability to see. Uh, you know, for years, my doctors would say, you know, you shouldn't be able to do the things you're doing. How are you doing this? And, uh, and, you know, so the, the more, uh, the, the kinder doctors would be inspired and can, and, uh, and please keep doing it. You know, this is the, you know, and, and be very supportive. Some of the other ones, uh, were, were less supportive and telling me I was being irresponsible. And I, 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 I'm, I'm not 
contrary to popular belief, I'm not an adrenaline junkie. I actually like things to be very calm. I, you know, like a, a very Zen approach. I know it really doesn't have much to do with, with Zen Buddhism, but just looking for a, a very uh, a, a quiet, soft uh, experience is really what I'm looking for. I don't like big spikes in adrenaline. Um, uh, right. I, I think I think being visually impaired, we live with a lot of fight or flight as it is. And, you know, we're just constantly being scared in the dark, if you will. And, uh, you know, so why would I want more of that? I, I want less of that. I want to just, I want to, I want to focus on my breath and, and, and keep going. And uh, so anyways, that's, that's how that sort of happened. And then, so that's where the adaptive side uh, came in with uh, taking as long as I could do it on my own. And then realizing that it's not just unsafe for me, it was unsafe for other people. And I always drew the line at, you know, the idea of maybe potentially even hurting someone else, you know, that's just, that's just unacceptable. I know me, I just would not be able to sleep at night and knowing that I hurt somebody else by being selfish. And I would imagine you've had many uh, guides, you know, over the years in terms yeah. of your races and competitions. And I always like to ask, you know, the endurance athletes, uh, just talk to me about the relationship with your guides. Uh, what do you think makes a successful guide, you know, and blind runner pairing? And, and what are the keys to that? You know, it, 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 it's, you know, for anybody who's had a, a, a guide dog, um, they match you with your guide dog based on pace. You know, most of the time it's a walking pace. You know, what sure. is your walking pace? You know, they, they clock you with your cane. They watch you navigate it. They, 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 this is your pace and that's, they try to match you with the dog. So ideally, you know, the first and foremost is you're the, you're going to find somebody who appreciates the concept of flow because yeah, that's really what your, what your, what your, 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 your goal is with a guide. If you're at a push pull scenario, you know, if, if your guide's going right and you're going left or your guide is falling behind you or they're way in front of you. You're not in sync. And, and so to me, the, the best guides are the ones that, uh, that, that appreciate that. Hey, no, 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 this guy, I'm lending him my eyes, but I want him to have as much independence as possible. I want him to feel like he's, he's, he's just doing the run. Like I'm not even here kind of thing. So the best guides are the ones that understand the balance between guiding, over guiding, and under guiding, under guiding, uh, and and but you, you you know you have to find it. I call it it's like you know finding your love language, if you will, um, <laughs> you know, and and yet, but you but you really want to find that 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 flow, and it's not an easy thing, uh, uh, but ones that at least have enough empathy to to say okay. What would it be like? What would I want if I couldn't see where I was going? And that's a great starting place. So I'm hoping a good guide will at least be able to do that. Um, empathy is a difficult thing for people. The idea of trying to feel as someone else does or, uh, or put yourself in someone else's shoes is very, very difficult. A, it's, it's scary. Uh, and and uh, it, it, you have to go to a place of vulnerability, which is which is also a problem for people and people don't like weakness. Uh, they don't want to look at it. They don't want to feel it um, and so forth. But a guide is, uh, you know, that guide is, you know, pretty extraordinary. So the idea 
uh, guide as somebody that is usually stronger than you are, uh, but not too much stronger. You know, I mean, that's not true. Cause I mean, I've, I've, I've had a lot of professional athletes as guides that slow down for me. Um, uh, but I, it's also great cause they're aerobic while, uh, while I'm working hard versus the other way around is that if I'm the one who's aerobic and they're working too hard, you're gonna, you're gonna disrupt that flow. And so to me, that's what I've always looked for, uh, with guides and, you know, some are better at it than others. Um, the other one that I really like is that, uh, that where they're, they're not trying to figure out what you see and what you don't see. They just say, okay, you see nothing. I'm just going to guide you through this versus where they, you know, I still have friends, for example, that send me photographs, you know, and they're like, Oh, you know, you can, you know, blow it up on your 90 inch TV and see, I'm like, yeah, that was the Michael from 10 years ago. You know, it's not like that anymore. And, 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 and they're, but they're still sort of doing that. And, um, although in these days with a lot of photo description and stuff, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Um, uh, so anyways, I, hopefully it answers your question on, on guides, uh, but flow is the word that I, I would like to, to have. Sure. That's a great word to, to peg on that. Catch part two of our chat with Michael Stone on episode 63 of Eyes Free Sports. Be sure to follow the Eyes Free Sports podcast at facebook.com slash eyesfreesports and on Twitter at eyesfreesports.com.